the optimal life. Dr. Tanisha, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. So I see that you're located in Austin, Texas. I am. And that sounds to be seems to be a really popular place these days. People are moving out of California, out of these various states, maybe New York, and they're all coming down to Texas, particularly Austin. What what makes Austin so attractive? So it's pretty horrible. Nobody else should move here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it has become, it has grown rapidly. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've been here 17 years almost, and it's, it's a vibe. I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's, it has become a bit more techie, but it's still very entrepreneurial and um, outdoorsy and beautiful. And most of the time the weather is really good or really hot. Um, yeah, I think it's just, it's a great place to raise a family. Yeah. What, when you say it's a vibe, I mean, what, what makes, you know, you see Joe Rogan, for example, he's moved to oh, Austin. Yeah. So, what, so what makes it, it such a vibe? So when I first moved here, it was kind of a hippie vibe. The thing was keep Austin weird. Right. Um, I don't know if you'd heard that one. And then of course, like the live capital music, there's still some of that. There's, there's definitely still a lot of blues and rock and live music all the time. Um, the vibe has gotten a little more, for lack of a better word, California-ish, you know, with so many people coming from California, they're, they're calling it like the new Silicon Valley or, you know, San Francisco kind of thing. So the vibe is changing, but there's still definitely the old keep Austin weird hippie pockets that I think I still love, mm. but it is becoming much more metropolitan, big city, downtown scene. It's a state that's dominated by a conservative feel, but you've got this pocket in Austin, which is a little more loose, a little more liberal, keep it hippie. So it's kind of a nice clash if you want somewhere in the middle of balance, it sounds like. Yeah, that's probably a good, good analogy or yep. I mean, a good, uh, some summing it up. That's probably pretty good description. (laughs) Speaking of Joe Rogan, what have you seen the controversies surrounding him lately? I have. Yeah, I have. Um, what, what's your what's your take on that? I mean, there's been several things in terms of uh, a COVID misinformation, which they're saying misinformation. People are saying, um, and the, there's also obviously the the N word thing, which is to me a little bit more serious. Uh, but what's your take on what's going on? You know, it's tough. I like him. I'm a fan. Um, I do think a lot of his COVID information just hadn't been studied by the people that want to say it's not true all the time. So I, I'm not disagreeing with some of that information at all. I'm not also, it hasn't been proven. So that's a tough one. You know, as far as the other, he took extreme accountability and I appreciate that. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I'm still kind of sleeping on it. You know, he apologized. He admitted to it. He also said, and at the same time, that was taken a little bit out of context of how and what was said. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one. I think that a lot of the information he spreads is good and true and things that we need to hear and we're not hearing on the daily news. And I don't want that to go away. Um, and it could, it could, lo- you know, he could lose credibility. Sure. Yeah. I totally agree that I think it, first of all, I think that this woke narrative, this woke mob stuff has to completely come to an end because if you give them, you give them an inch, they're going to take a yard. Yeah. You, you, you know, no matter what you do, they're going to come after you. The N word thing has th- th- those clips were so old. Some of them, some of them were maybe a few years ago. Some of them were maybe 10 or 12 years ago. So those things have been out there this whole time, not making it right. I mean, first off, let's let me put this disclaimer. 
Nobody should ever use that word, regardless Absolutely. of the context. Regardless 100%. of the context. I'm, you know, he and he knows, I think and he, he knows said that, that now. Yeah, he, he said, said that. that mm-hmm. Like you said, extreme ownership. He knows mm-hmm. that now. So he's apologized. And I think he'll chalk it up to some ignorance and learning experience, learning lesson. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not funny. It, it wasn't funny then, it's not funny now. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, but but you take the ownership and you move forward. The COVID thing to, to me is just, uh, I mean, listen, he's providing information that they don't want to tell you because mm-hmm. that's not where the money is. They want you to go get I, yes. the vaccines. They want you to go have to get the boosters and the follow-ups and all these things, which again, will only protect you just like a, a flu shot will only to a certain extent. Nobody wants you to get the ivermectins and the uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine and monoclonal antibodies. And that's why they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, this guy's been doing this, uh, Dr. Tanisha, this guy's been doing this for a long time. He's had this podcast mm-hmm. for over 12 years now. Those clips have been out there for 12 years, 10 years, eight years. You don't like it. So now you're coming after him. And now you're exactly and again, again, it doesn't make what he said right, but it wasn't right eight years ago when he said it. Why all of a sudden are you attacking to try to bring this man down? Oh, maybe it has something to do with the fact that he's beating all the major networks and people are listening and, and really catching on. I think that is pretty obvious and apparent to most people. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, right? They they make that connection. I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Especially well, as fans. And it's all unfortunate, right? But I think you're right. The bigger they get, the more popular he gets. They needed to something. Maybe he'll stop in and get some, you know, with all this, all this heartache, maybe he'll, he needs a little, a tune up at infinity <laughs> wellness center. So who knows, who knows where that, le- I know you mo- work mostly with women. We'll get into this. But funny um, you say that my husband's a chef here in town and he has tagged him on multiple Instagram posts. I'm sure everybody does. Right. Hoping he calls him to come cook for him someday. Who knows? Sure. <laughs> maybe absolutely. he'll listen to your podcast and call us both. Absolutely. I <laughs> don't blame him. So, uh, you have a very unique business, as we've just talked about, a unique uh, practice, I should say, with uh, within Texas. And you're helping people with a whole host of problems. And I think this really stemmed back to your childhood when you first really wanted to get into medicine and your dad got sick. And, mm-hmm. and then ultimately in your teenage years, um, you end up going through something. So take us back to your, your mid-teen years. What was happening to you physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera? Yeah. So I literally overnight, I woke up one day unable to move any of the joints in my hands, elbows, knees. They were super stiff. I had to run hot water under them to just get them to bend excruciating pain. The best way I could describe it still, I use this analogy today is it felt like glass shards kind of scraping from the inside out of my joints and, and fatigue and brain fog and literally woke up like that. Long story short, we went to doctor after doctor Um, I also had a rash. I had a rash on my legs and I was in Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. Um, And it took us about a year to get properly diagnosed and um, treated on a more holistic mind from a more holistic minded doctor. And he found out it was Lyme disease. I had every diagnosis before that. They thought it was MS. They ruled out MS. They thought it was lupus. If you ever watch Dr. House, like it's never lupus, right? They thought it was um, rheumatoid arthritis. And then finally they said, you have juvenile arthritis and you're depressed. Take an antidepressant. Here are some steroids and Celexa, which came out with a class action lawsuit later. And I was taking it at 15, like an arthritis drug. Um, And that was really all they had to offer me 
for the most part. Like they didn't know what it was. They didn't know why I felt bad. And it was through, honestly, my mom doing her own research because this is 1994 in the library and found a more holistic doctor and, and said, I think she could have this disease. And from there, it took about another year to totally completely heal. Your mom had to ultimately figure out what your diagnosis was. All the doctors had no clue. Pretty much. She, I mean, she came with a couple ideas and Lyme disease was one of them. And, and the doctor took one look at me and was like, yeah, he, he treated Lyme disease at the time, which was very controversial in Michigan at the time in the nineties, they'd said, oh, you know, that's only in upstate New York and Connecticut. They can't have Lyme disease here in Michigan. It's, you know, came from Lyme, Connecticut. So. And explain it, to people what, what exactly that is. It's tick, it's tick bites, but how, what, give us the, the scientific, the scientific terminology behind it. Yeah. So it's a bacteria. The bacteria is called um, Borrelia burgdorferi after a doctor, Dr. Burgdorferi. And it's a bacteria that is um, a, a spread through tick bites and it attacks your central nervous system. And it's, they call it the great, great mimicker. It can go completely systemic, your whole body. And it looks like everything. It looks like fibromyalgia. It looks like chronic fatigue. It can shut down a thyroid. It can move to the brain. So it completely it's it's a bacteria under a microscope, but it attacks your body in a parasitic way, and it can go dormant and hide like a virus. So it's a very peculiar infection. You know, for getting into things they don't want us to know, there's a lot of people that believe that it was genetically engineered, and I could, I don't know that either way or have the band brain width to really study and know that to be sure. But there's a couple books out about it. I gotta um, tell because- you, I gotta tell you, Tanisha, after what we've gone through with COVID. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if everything's been genetically engineered, but that's probably for another episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? So that's a big thought in the Lyme community that hasn't been proven, obviously, um, because it doesn't perform like a regular bacteria, a regular bacteria, a round of antibiotics should kill it. And this doesn't happen. People have chronic Lyme disease for decades and they've done antibiotics and it's not killing it. And herbal routes we found, and which is what I ultimately ended up doing in some IV therapies and ozone and these other things actually do, they can eradicate it. Sometimes not. Sometimes um, we just get the infection load down so far that you can coexist and live a normal life with it without a lot of symptoms or any, Mm. but it can still be in your system. So you end up getting the diagnosis. You you realize that it is Lyme disease indeed. And then what, what do you do? What, how do you start recovering from that? Yeah, it wasn't overnight. Definitely. It probably took a whole nother year. Um, we did everything from candida cleanses to liver cleanses to rebuilding the gut lining, like all the things that we now do in functional medicine in the nineties really didn't have a name. This doctor just knew that he had to heal the body. Um, and we, we eventually did some antimicrobials and, and killed it. Um, now, however, when you say kill it, it could always come back. I mean, I think that's where you're going. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so we don't know if you can actually kill it once you've had it chronically, um, which maybe six months to a year, you had it without proper treatment. If you get bit by a tick tomorrow and you have a rash and you do an antibiotic round quickly, you could kill it and never have this chronic condition that has been shown to be true. Once it almost like sets up shop or finds you as a good host, it, then it starts performing like a virus, like herpes, right? Like a cold sore will go away in times of stress. It comes back out. We see that for decades. And People think they have a fibromyalgia flare-up or chronic fatigue diagnosis. And I went too hard, which could be true, right? If you go too hard, your immune system dips, the bugs flare. 
But most, I would say most cases that have walked through my office with a previous diagnosis of fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, it's been Lyme disease. Really? I would say, I would say 85 to 90%. I know that's an aggressive number, but it's been that much. And did they already know that it's Lyme disease when they come in or they don't always know that? No, no. They, they the only diagnoses they had was either fibromyalgia or chronic uh, fatigue. Similar to like what you had to go through. Exactly. That's and they may have been on pain meds for years and years. So now they come into my office having been on, you know, some type of pain medication. And before I can even help them with this bug and, and get their body ready, like their liver is in bad shape or their digestive tract isn't working because of the side effects and, and, and the illness itself. They've been dealing with this for years on end before they even come into your facility. Decades. Decades. Sometimes. Holy Sometimes. Cow. Yeah. They've been 10 and 12 doctors. Mm-hmm. They've for- seen 10 and 12 doctors. Then they're just, they're just living. They're just that person who has fibromyalgia in the family, right? Like I'm just the person who lays in bed and is sick. Some mm. of them, some of them are that severe for sure. And so, and they, and they've, and they've been told that by all their medical professionals. So why not believe it? And they've been living 15, 20 years of just always feeling pain and sick. And the only thing that mm-hmm. they can do to get over that pain is to mask it with some kind of painkiller, some type of medication. That is the perfect summary of most cases. Mm-hmm. Yep. That have and had then, it that long. And then what happens? They come in, you, you realize, hey, this is likely Lyme disease of some sort. What, what, what is the process from there on out? So, so we rule out a lot of things. So to kind of fast forward from the time I was 15 and 16 and recovered, and then I had my daughter later in life, after I had her, and we see this a lot after pregnancy, menopause, major hormone shifts, maybe even major illnesses or life shifts, I actually had what I thought was a Lyme flare-up. I was back in bed, didn't have the joint pain this time. And now looking back, I, I see why that matters. Um, at first, I just kept thinking, okay, I'm an old mom. I was almost 40 (laughs) and and this is what it feels like. I'm just mom tired and just kept going and going. And finally I was like, I'm having a hard time getting out of bed. Something's wrong. So I really put myself through our own process. I started running some labs and that's, that's what we do. We need to figure this out. So I ruled out that it wasn't a Lyme flare up. However, I found out I had Epstein-Barr virus and an autoimmune thyroid issue. So you know, the chronic fatigue and, and, and fibromyalgia isn't always Lyme disease we definitely dig into these other less looked at. Um, some of them are stealth pathogens or autoimmune disorders that oftentimes I think most Western medicine doctors just miss. I think they just miss it. They just aren't digging that deep. Oh, you've got pain here. This, this pill matches this symptom. It's been seven minutes. Thanks. Have a great day. Um, we don't know what's causing it. You know, your labs look fine. That's another big one. We look at labs very, very differently. So we look at low normals and high normals because you could have all the symptoms and we look for patterns. It's a very different process looking at labs from a functional range perspective. And then we're just actually, before you move on, when you say looking at labs differently from a functional, what is the difference? Give some examples between what you guys do versus just common medicine. Yeah. So here's a great example. Um, the vitamin D range is from 30 to hundred from here to here. Functionally, we like to see it between 60 and hundred. So somebody might be at, you know, 31 or 40, but they really have all the symptoms of low vitamin D give it three more months. It will be in the low range. So that's the difference between a pathological range, which is a synonym for disease and a functional range. I think the thyroid is another great example of that. 
you might be a hundredth of a tenth of a point in normal range, but you have all the low thyroid symptoms. Um, but yet your doctor's like, ah, you're in range, have a great day, you know, kind of thing. So we're trying to get the body to function at its most optimal in that center range or the higher normal where it needs to be. You know, you don't want thing, you know, too much of a good thing and too little can be just as bad. So it's really all about balance and homeostasis and getting the body to function at its most optimal on its own without the use of drugs. Okay. So, and that's obviously your approach is all holistic. So again, back to the Lyme disease patient, you guys go through all your analysis criteria, you diagnose, you realize this is what it is. Now what, how, I mean, what are the things that you're doing to help these people get back on track? It's going to sound so basic, but so complicated. And I don't know why this isn't why we're all not all doing this. We literally just from a high level perspective, take away what's in excess, whether that's infections, inflammation, toxins. So we pull out what the body doesn't need, what's inflaming it, what's stressing it. And then we rebuild the body with what it does need. We'll sometimes do a stool test to see exactly what strains of probiotics or prebiotics they need to reimplant to work on their immune system, which vitamins, which nutrients really that's it. And then we ask why, well, why was this person deficient in this? Oh, because they're dealing with this infection and the infection will eat that up kind of thing. So literally just giving the body what it needs, take away what it has too much of and allowing the body to heal itself. What are some of the toxins that you're, how do you analyze where the toxins are, what they are, how they're impacting the body? How do you flush the body of all those? Okay. This is a fun one. Toxins are everywhere. Literally you can sit on the highway and breathe in toxins, right? Even the cleanest water. So I'm originally from Flint talk about toxins and water, right? The lead in the water there. Um, we look at heavy metals, which can be in things like vaccines, mercury fillings, which they're doing very little of these days. Um, you could have been exposed to it. I've worked with people who've worked at, at places like General Motors or painting that have had lead in their system from other places. And um, so we're looking for heavy metals. That's one. We look at mycotoxins. So we've had patients who had a mold exposure in a home or a water damaged building. And the mold when your body can't detox it out, it leaves what's called a mycotoxin in the system and it can build up and cause inflammation and brain fog and fatigue and pain and, and all kinds of things. So we're definitely looking at mycotoxins and molds. And then we're looking at a lot of chemicals. I've had a couple patients that grew up on a farm. So we ran a whole list of pesticides and those are all done in urine testing. We do what's called a challenge test. And so we get the body to start detoxing some toxins with different agents that we'll use all herbal or binders, we call them. And then we run the sample had another patient not too long ago, who was a hairdresser for 20 some years. And she just couldn't do it anymore. She was getting headaches and joint pain. Her hands weren't working very well. And she came in and we started talking about it. And she's, she was telling me, yeah, I've been in a salon with all these chemicals. Now there's hundreds of people exposed to toxins all the time. And there's hundreds of thousands of people that are hairdressers, right? why does this person have symptoms and this person doesn't? That's a little layer deeper that we dig into. And that's genetics. We look at their detox pathways their If you've heard of the MTHFR gene, their inflammatory pathways, the, the, the um, genes that, you know, stimulate autophagy, are they working? If not, this stuff's just building up like a hoarder with a house. <laughs> and so then it starts when it, when the body, when the liver is overwhelmed, when the body's inflamed, that's when we see all the symptoms. 
So it, a lot of it is very, very detailed medicine into what is your body actually going to do? And each person has something different, obviously. Custom, yeah. I mean, we see, kinda, yeah, exactly. We see a lot of similar things because of the nature of what we do and how we do it, but absolutely no two cases are exactly the light alike. Mm. Even if they have the same underlying issues, their symptoms can be very different. Well, that's, what's so unique about what you guys do. It's, it is custom. No two cases are ever alike, but it's weird how traditional medicine treats, as you've already pointed out, every case almost as if they're all the exact same. That's a really like, good point. I've never heard it said out loud like that. You're absolutely right. And it's terrible. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, that's where these problems are all stemming from. Correct. Cause everyone's mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a one size fits all up. Oh, take this medicine up, oh, take this. Oh, you look like you need this. And, and then what it is, is that it's just a, a, a numbing agent almost for these people for 10 or 20 years. And they're living in constant pain and fatigue every single day. I mean, when 100%. they're, when they're, when you're working with these people and mostly women, correct? It is women based. You know, um, I definitely don't want to put us in a box of women. I think that we see a lot of women in the office because, um, women usually make the decisions for the household. And I think I have a lot of thoughts about why it's women. I think we're doing way too much in the world right now, trying to like be a mom and be a house, you know, manage the house and have careers and own businesses. I think definitely women are stretched thin. Speaking from experience, huh? Speaking from experience. <laughs> yes. However, we see men all the time and often the woman comes in, she starts feeling better. She sends her husband in, <laughs> but mm -hmm. just yesterday I had a, a, a patient on a telehealth video and he owns two businesses and was burning the candle and gained weight and can't sleep and anxiety attacks. I mean, you know, so it's, inflammation it, you do work with some men. Uh, oh, absolutely. It sounds like. And so, kiddos. And, We've right. seen more exhaustion this last couple of years in our teens. Oh, really? Interesting. And depression and anxiety. Yep. So we, yeah, we work with not everybody. That's not surprising with all the social media crap too, which is oh, a I know. real challenge. But back to the thing with the, these, these women mostly, but these patients of yours, these clients, patients, whatever you call them, um, they start turning like all of a sudden you're helping them turn their lives around in a significant way. And they yeah. go from 10 years of just misery to all of a sudden, like becoming all the chains are coming off. What's the, what's the emotional process that you're seeing these people go through as they're starting to feel a sense of uh, relief again? It's good. And it can be tough. Um, so, so we're turning them around with things like food choices, changing their food plan, um, supplementation, things that, that heal their gut. And sometimes there's emotions around the changes. Sometimes it's hard. Um, I had a patient not too long ago tell us that she had to learn how to not only cook for herself and stop eating out of a box, which was hard. But then when she started feeling better, when we did, we put her through a, a gut healing regimen. We started there, even though we, she did have Lyme disease and mold toxicity. Um, as she started feeling better, probably month two, three working with us, she said that she had to learn how to be the sick person in society. She had to learn how to be a sick person. She had to figure out, okay, well, if I go to one doctor appointment today, I'm going to be wiped out for tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to get out of bed. So I definitely can't schedule anything. And, you know, I have this, this event at my kid's school, forget about the next two weeks. I'll be completely bedridden. She, she said she had to go from learning how to function in society that way to 
being a non-sick person and the psyche in that was hard. She said, you know, I had to realize like, I, I can do things and I can feel okay doing them and I can focus. And some of them have gotten jobs again. There's actually one of our most recent, um, team members. I hired three of our team members were previous patients. One had post COVID long hauler syndrome and had a very similar position that she's leading now at a, at a, at a franchise of music schools here in Austin. And she lost her job because she had been bedridden. And so she had to, the emotional transformation of I'm not bedridden and I'm in a job and I'm in a leadership position now. Like she, that was a very tough journey and exciting journey. You know, the, the emotions are highs and lows. They're trying to figure it out sometimes. That, that's very interesting. It almost reminds me in a weird way of like somebody being institutionalized where they're Ooh. imprisoned for decades on end. And then it's like, no, you don't have to be institutionalized anymore. You're allowed to be free. And shouldn't that be exciting? And they're not excited to do that. They're not excited to leave because there's all the new responsibilities and challenges and unknowns. Like you become comfortable being uncomfortable almost. You, that is, that is so deep. That is so, there's uh, so many layers of that, right? You think about the, um, you know, the, the prisoners during the Nazi war, right. And then they opened the gates and a lot of them didn't leave, right. They just stayed there because you're right. That's what they knew. That's that came to, to mind for me, but you're right. They're, they're kind of like, well, I can do this now. So yeah, it's a full mind shift change, especially if the, somebody, if the person was a big go-getter and, you know, really motivated and it slowed them down. A lot of them have to deal with self-worth issues and getting their lives back. Wow. So yeah, it's not what you'd expect necessarily. It's not like, Oh, this is great. Let's celebrate. Ah, it's like, this is a slow and steady recovery process. It's a little bit of both. Definitely at the end, definitely people are, I'm able to fulfill my life purpose again, be a present mom, wife, you know? Yep. Sure. All of it there. Yeah. You mentioned this post-COVID long-haul syndrome. I wanted to ask you, what exactly is that? Yeah, nobody really knows. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. Um, and I've seen a lot of clinical stuff that I think is parallel. So essentially what's happening, and I think, it, so it was, it's, it's been spoke about a, a bit in the news, not enough, I think. So essentially somebody gets COVID and they go through the COVID infection, like they weren't necessarily hospitalized. Most of them weren't. And the COVID symptoms go away. They now test negative, but they, they're not right. They're not okay. I've heard everything from chronic fatigue, having a hard time getting out of bed to hair falling out to um, menstrual cycles off to brain fog to the point of they can't hold down jobs to just sometimes a little extra fatigue. They can barely get through their day, but they're not bedridden. Um, Those are probably the biggest, biggest ones were, oh, heart palpitations and POTS. POTS is where you go posturally, you go from sitting and laying to standing and their heart rate goes so high that some of them pass out. This has been happening since COVID for a lot of patients. I think a couple things, I think some of it's genetic, some of it's inflammation in their body still that they can't get rid of genetically. I've also found in almost every single post COVID long hauler syndrome patient in a, a separate underlying infection that I really believe has been triggered or turned on by COVID. So Epstein-Barr virus, I've seen Lyme express. Um, a lot of them are now, here's a, here's an interesting one. They can't tolerate histamine foods. 
So a lot of them have a gene defect where they don't break down histamine foods and it's triggered this gene to turn on. So it's really- What's what's histamine foods exactly? So so a a histamine food is anything that's going to cause your body to produce histamines. And so just like allergies in the air, like mold or oak is high outside or pollen, you have a histamine reaction. These people have these foods that cause a histamine reaction in your body and they can't shut it off. Their gene to shut it off isn't quite working to break down the histamine. So they're producing histamine because they had peppers or salsa, right? Um, Dairy, alcohol, those are high histamine coffee. You can get low histamine coffee now though. There's a brand out there that has popped up. Um, Chocolate's high histamine. Here's, Here's an interesting one. Spinach, avocado, strawberries are high histamine which is fine if you can break down histamine, but if anybody has a tickle in their throat or nose running or itching, that's usually your body can't keep up with the histamine reaction this food is causing. And some of it was so severe with some of these post COVID patients that they're breaking out in hives and rashes, or they have a histamine food and they feel so awful brain wise. They have to go lay down. They feel like they got potential ulcers too within the body. I'm sure it could. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that to be true, but I'm sure it could. Mm -hmm. So there's some things you can do. You can take like digestive enzymes that will break down the histamine for you. But one of the post COVID patients, she was doing a smoothie every morning with a spinach, spinach, handful of spinach, strawberries, and avocado. We took her off that and these hives that she was having every day and her lips would swell. Her throat even would swell a little bit and she couldn't figure out why it just all stopped. Wow. So I think it's triggering these things that were right here at the edge for some people. That's absolutely. It's incredible how food and nutrients and liquids, what we really put into our body is so much of the battle. Like that's got to be a huge part of your practice, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Definitely food is. We have a a person who is a functional nutritionist that works and helps because everybody's different with food. And I think one of the most empowering things to find out going through a healing process or holistic medicine is figuring out what foods, and I, and I say this often, what foods hurt you and what foods heal you. So if you feel bad after a meal, go back and look, cause it may not be everything. It may not be what you think. Well, that meal wasn't necessarily bad. A lot of people can't digest nightshades very well because of the, the skin is hard to break on peppers and tomatoes and things. So it may be different for you. And I don't think food allergy testing is always the right thing to do. Um, If somebody's guts inflamed and they have leaky gut or they have IBS, like they're going to get a lot of false positives on that. I think an elimination diet is really best and free and you can do it at home. Sure. Uh, With with everything that people are experiencing, especially with this post COVID and everything's kind of intertwined and connected. um, A lot of people are experiencing burnout. Mm-hmm. which of course is, is leads to potential chronic, maybe is because caused by chronic fatigue and, um, and they're just at their wits end and you know, yes. this better than anybody. So what are something, anyone that's listening right now that, that is feeling that and experiencing that what's some low hanging fruit, uh, actions that they could put into place to start feeling better. So really, really simple, um, sleeping, hydration and pooping. <laughs> I say you're only as healthy as your digestive tract. Your own, your cells can only rebuild and, and repair when you get six hours of uninterrupted sleep and then hydration, every cell in the body needs hydration. That's very high level, lower level, check things like vitamin D and zinc, especially if you've had COVID, your body probably used a lot of that up to fight. Are you, are you missing these basic nutrients? 
check and see if you've been stressed out long enough in fight or flight, exhausted, that your adrenal glands are burning out. So that could be done in a saliva test or a blood cortisol test. And that's, that could look like adrenal fatigue is a diagnosis. So our adrenal glands pump out adrenaline. There are fight or flight glands. And a lot of us have been in fight or flight, especially business, business owners, right? For two dang years. Like we're not meant to do that. We're meant to run from a tiger or bear, come back to homeostasis, do it again tomorrow when we go out and try to find dinner, right? We're not meant to stay in it for 24 hours, 48 hours, weeks, six months, you know, the two week lockdown went into two years this next month. And, and some people are definitely have the fear of, of getting sick. Some people have lost their jobs. Some people's jobs have become just so much more stressful that, you know, we're worried about our kids and the schools, like everybody's in either adrenal, I think right now, adrenal stress, we're in fight or flight, or we are coming down and we're about to hit the bottom of exhaustion. So if you recognize and you do that saliva test and your adrenal glands are bleeding out, what do you do to correct that? There's a lot of different herbal treatments for adrenal glands. They're called adaptogenic herbs. A couple off the top of my head are rhodiola, ashwagandha, and they can really, so adaptogenic herbs help your adrenal glands adapt. I think true health is how quickly can you be in the stressor and come back? How quickly can you adapt? So these adaptogenic herbs, if you're in fight or flight, they help bring down the adrenal stress. If you're bottoming out, they kind of bring you up. So they help keep you here. I also like glandulars. That's RNA and DNA from an animal's adrenal glands to rebuild yours. I think that's a really good underlying builder as we're getting your body to adapt better. And then sometimes, you know, if you're just in that much stress, stress will trump a good protocol. So sometimes there's some major life changes that need to happen. And sometimes we have control over that. And sometimes in a pandemic, we don't. So, you know, we're fighting uphill if you're in a stressful state and then refined sugars, that would be my my last thought that stresses out the pancreas, which stresses the adrenals. We're such complicated (laughs) beings. We really are right. It's so complex, but sometimes it doesn't need to be so complex. It sounds like you guys go back to the core and and find the root cause and you you focus on it. And maybe it's a little simpler than it needs to, you know, than it appears it would have to be. So uh, for anyone that's interested, especially that's in the Austin area, how do they contact you? Who should be contacting you and how, how, what's the process? Yeah. So we can treat people anywhere in the country with telehealth now, which is one good thing. I think that's come out of COVID the last couple of years. A lot of practitioners have, have shifted to that. Um, Our website is Austin holistic doctor, which is DR. All of our handles are infinity wellness, ATX, ATX, which stands for Austin, Texas. And I really think the best perfect person for us to work with and to, and to work with us would be somebody who has been down the traditional Western medicine route. They feel like, like me, Western medicine has failed them. They know this is important. They know in every cell in their body, something's wrong. They're not just depressed or not just tired. Something's causing this. And they haven't been able to figure it out with their practitioner or their practitioner's not listening to them. Um, that's where we, we dive in and do the dirty work and figure it out. That's beautiful. Do you work with just people? So you work nationwide now with the telehealth and obviously the zoom and the phone. Do you work internationally as well? I have. Um, The hard part about that is, is I can order labs anywhere in the country here. So as long as they have a practitioner that will help us get the data that we need, um, it's been doable. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, that, that is, that's beautiful. So it's not just Austin. It's not just Texas. Anyone listening anywhere, really 
can contact you and, and get a diagnosis and go from there. Absolutely. Beautiful. We will link you up in the show notes to Dr. Tanisha Wards. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, uh, this is really insightful and continued success and happiness and wellness to, to you guys. And who knows, maybe, maybe you'll have a few other people uh, knocking on your door there in Austin, Texas. So we're happy to help. Thank everybody. you. Thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the optimal life podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course. You could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.